The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. The Deputy Mayor is on the line, Councillor Trent Sullivan. Good morning. Good morning, Mitchell. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, uh, is there any chance that we may be able to get out of lockdown this week? I don't know if the state government rings you in, a, in advance and says that maybe there's a couple of announcements on the horizon. I also know that we haven't seen any new cases put out yet by the Department of Health this morning, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign, but what sort of things are you hearing? Yeah, look, Mitchell, what we've seen lately, which everybody would have observed, is it's been a bit of a tack in the change of the approach that the state government is taking um, they, it's no secret that Daniel Andrews did say that they're hoping to release measures for regional Victoria this week. And I believe it is possible that we could see some lessening of restrictions by as early as tomorrow, um, hope being. There's been talk about uh, easing of travelling restrictions for people who are fully vaccinated and people in certain LGAs with low or zero COVID numbers. Um, otherwise, that we're still hoping for an easing of uh, the radius of travel, the limitations, and and certain things along the lines of that, um, as a general for regional Victoria. But we'll never know until they exactly put it out there. But we are seeing a government that's changing towards learning to live with the virus rather than focusing on just the straight-out elimination. So almost anything is open now, and as we know, the state government will let us know, you know, with a moment's notice. But we are hopeful that this week we will see, there's a strong chance we will see a lessening of restrictions for regional Victoria. We just have to make sure that Geelong stays under the regional banner and doesn't get tied in with Metro. Mm, Very good point. And it seems like we are tracking quite well on some of those numbers, like the cases that we've had down here, they don't seem to spread like wildfire, like in some of the LGAs in Melbourne, but also you mentioned vaccination. I know the Geelong region is doing quite well on that front, better than some LGAs. Absolutely. We're very fortunate that when we have had a small outbreak or two down in Geelong, um, it has stayed localised and it hasn't spread. You're very correct. You know, we're not seeing the same results that we're seeing in Melbourne LGAs or in Shepparton. Uh, they are being confirmed. Geelong is doing a fantastic job. The residents are really following because we, we've seen the benefit of when we can come out of lockdown. We, people have the motivation here. We don't want to be stuck in this mess that we're currently in. And Geelong residents are doing a great job of getting vaccinated. Uh, we have one of the highest highest municipalities in Victoria. Um, only We're only beaten by the borough of Queenscliff, who have a little bit over us, uh, which are the highest currently vaccinated one in Australia. But Geelong is doing an incredible job. You know, people are... You know, posting all the time, looking well in their vaccinations. They're going to the hubs, they're going to the GPs, they're going to the chemists. If we can keep this rolling, um, that will play into sort of this tact that the government's taking, that if you're fully vaccinated, you will have an even, you'll have extra more freedoms um, under the current lockdown rules. Now, talk to us about the Packington Street and Gordon Avenue high rise, because this has been on the agenda for a few weeks and we've seen those concept drawings put out. And I know the communities in that area are quite interested. Some people are a bit concerned that with high rise buildings, you lose that village atmosphere that people love about that shopping strip and also that maybe high rise buildings will cast a visual shadow. So how do you get that balance right with development in that area? Yeah, absolutely. There's certain areas which uh, people, residents of Geelong are quite passionate about. You know, the feel of Packington Street, you know, the, the vibrancy and the ease of, say, the, the Highton uh, shopping precinct. Um, the UDF for, for Gordon Street and Packington Street has been out for about 12 months now. And it's one that's drawn considerable concern or interest from the community, rather, because it does plan for longer term growth. 
We are seeing, you know, a high interest in people who, who want to shop, who want to live closer to Packington Street, who want to live closer to our CBD and have access to all the transport and services that this provides. Now, we can't always just be going outwards. We occasionally do have to go upwards. And this UDF accounts, you know, for the need for more high-rising uh, alternative sort of uh, mixed use of residential buildings, um, a mixture of both business and residential as well. So we're kind of people living closer to you don't need their cars. You can, you know, just ride the bike if they want or just walk down to the shops and to the library and to the train station. And these sort of things we do have to plan for because we are being seen as a desirable place to live. We are seeing record growth. We're seeing exodus from Melbourne. You know, Melbourne's population last year went down for the first time in over 30 years. And so much of that is moving down to our areas. So by providing a variety um, of building options along Pagnan Street, along Gordon Street, we can increase commerce, we can increase increase residential living. And this is a long-term plan that we have to because the pressures are not easy on these areas. So we have to make sure that we've got the long-term planning. And people have had a have made their views known. They're definitely putting a lot of passion into this project. Um, and councils have very well heard that. We've had community consultation for nearly a year now. Um, I think there might be a couple more face-to-face sessions left, um, but this is something we're looking to bring to the chamber hopefully this year. Just on that point about car usage, I know that there's been places in Melbourne where they've put high-rise around train stations and they've said we don't need to have car parks supplied with the development because when you're a train station and people won't want to use cars and won't want to own a car, but then people that live in them do end up wanting a car and then it congests the uh, the streets and the residential areas around those towers. So is that a, a concern and are you going to make sure that if there is high-rise that they will be the adequate provision of car parking as part of the development. Mm, it's very interesting, Mitchell, you're correct there, because you know the Australian dream, the Australian way of life has always been, you know, to, to still have a car, to still be able to access and traverse, you know, our, our country at large. Um, we're, we're very different from older European cities who many people can live in a city and don't need a car. You know, they're, 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 their world, their country is much smaller. But Australia, you know, we still you can still live next to a train station in Geelong and have friends and family in Shepparton and Mildura that you want to want to see or you might work across Melbourne in somewhere that's not easily accessible by public transport. We do want to encourage, you know, more public transport and alternative act, active transport, riding, riding, cycling, you know, scootering, all sorts of stuff like that, which can take cars off the road. But we're never going to be able to eliminate, you know, cars on the road. They're always going to have a place in it, you know. You know, the, the tradie who drives to work is still going to need his car with his ute and all his tools in the back or towing a trailer. Things of things of that matter. So it's really about you know designing a future where we're not you know blatantly saying okay everybody must be taking tra- public transport. You can't take your car. It's about a mixture. And whilst you know residential developments have had have to have a minimum of car parks at the moment, we are see a change to having you know you can only have so many as to encourage alternate transport and public transport, but we have to make sure that we have sufficient and effective public transport already in place. We can't just be taking away cars without providing people an alternative model. Now, tell us about the civic precinct that's currently under development, and I'd imagine a lot of people would be listening and thinking, are ratepayers getting the best value for money from that civic precinct? Mm, absolutely. Now, people if, who, who have it within the CBD, within their radius, would currently would have seen that the civic accommodation, our new sort of council headquarters, is certainly going up at a rapid pace. Um, it's been building for nearly a year now, and it's due from completion in June next year. Um, 
evidently lockdowns had, you know, certain effects on it um, with minimum capacity on worksite. But it's still going well and we're still getting massive local procurement, um, massive local workforce numbers as well. Now, one of the great stats about this building is that prior to, or currently still, prior to building this, council was spread over nine different offices and we were spending millions of dollars a year in rent. By building a new centralised location, a building in the CBD, which the city, which the people of the city of Geelong will own, we have an appreciating asset for the city. And we will be saving, I mean, this is on top of our payments, on top of our costs and everything, we will still be saving $2 million a year in expenses that we would be currently incurring if we kept the same model as we have now. So not only will council's dollars, the people's ratepayers' dollars, be better used, we'll actually be saving them and creating a more inclusive culture in a centralised location than the current model. The Ocean Grove Main Beach, the dog-free area and dogs on the beach, continues to be a, an issue and obviously something that causes controversy for the people down that way. And I see that the council is now seeking community engagement about that. What does the community engagement look like? Yeah, yes, this has been a long, ongoing process because people are passionate about coastal lifestyles and they are passionate about their pets. Um, we're still we're having a we engaged with the Barland Coast Committee of Management and how the dog orders will look like on the Ocean Grove Main Beach. Now we've we're pretty solid with what we're doing on the rest of the sort of Barland Heads and Ocean Grove areas, but the point of contention that we're having right now, which is a two-year trial, is the Ocean Grove Main Beach, which is over eight hundred meters of water frontage. Now, we had a trial, uh, we're having a trial this year where dogs will be banned from that just that one section of the main beach uh, for the summertime period and then allowed on leash for the rest of the year. So if you're walking your dogs on the beach, you can just put them in the lead and keep on walking through uninterrupted. And next year, the other option is that dogs will not be allowed between those two markers on the main beach year round. Now, this has upset a lot of people, and some people are supportive of it. Um, they prefer uh, a dog-free area all year round in that area right there. But we are on our Have, you, have Your Say of the John City website. We have an option there you know, for people to provide us their feedback. What do they think of these trials? Has it been successful so far? You know, Do they like the idea of it? Do they not like the idea of it going forward? Uh, so this is one thing we're really looking for, a lot of community feedback. And we've received a lot of numbers today, things over 400 responses so far. Uh, which is fantastic, but we're always looking for more. You know, the more people who can respond to this, the better data we have as a decision-making body. Um, but it's, it's a very passionate project. You know, people, especially in lockdown, they're getting out there, they're walking their dogs more, they want to have accessibility to our great region. So I implore everybody in the area who, you know, is a dog walker, isn't a dog walker. You know, we want to hear from both parties alike. And the Weather Together project, talk to us about that. You're seeking information from the community to try and improve how we uh, record the weather data. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great project um, led up by council and really involves the community members in what's going on. Uh, so Weather Together is where we work together with local residents um, to improve the accuracy of our local weather data. You know, we have people who have volunteered to host weather sensors in their very homes or at their workplace if they choose to help us record temperatures and humidity in different parts of the city, you know, because where our climate can vary, um, even places from Geelong to Lara actually get very different weather and very different, say, average rainfall per year. So we've got to take into account these different things as well as which parts of our city uh, absorb more heat, which re reflect it more, you know, where are our hotter areas. 
It's important because weather can truly influence the day-to-day of our lives. It has a big impact on people's health and well-being. You know, and our, you know, even our commute to school, commute to work, uh, can be detrimental um, to vulnerable populations and threatened wildlife as well. What is our native wildlife doing in certain areas? So this is just a fantastic way with the community. We work hand-in-hand with community. You know, we, we get these sensors out there and we just get more accurate data across the spread of our municipality. What's happening? Where's, where's the heat getting trapped? Where's the water getting trapped? Where's the humidity? All of the above. It's a fantastic way. I have some, you know, someone who's a, who's a weekend scientist to, to get involved and help us out. And finally, tell us about the Geelong Nature Forum. Oh, yeah, the Geelong Nature Forum. That's a fantastic one coming up as well. Um, it's a bit of a collaboration between the Geelong Field Naturalist Club and the city of Greater Geelong. And uh, it's fantastic. That's also been sponsored by the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. And, of course, Barwon Water. Now, the theme of this year's Nature Forum is where the rivers run. So that has a focus on animal and plant life on the Geelong region's rivers, creeks, wetlands, everything under that theme. And it's an exciting multi-dimensional event uh, which showcases Geelong's natural wonders. So we've got a week-long display of nature-based activities, uh, presentations, all sorts of involvements. But the main event is Sunday, the 26th of September. Now, this is a free event. Um, everybody can register online. And it will be based at the National Wool Museum. So I certainly hope we're out of lockdown. Uh, there'll be an exhibition there. Uh, there'll be environmental group displays. There'll be um, an alphabet birds art installation. And photography of uh, celebrating local nature volunteers. And it's a great chance to get the community involved. You know, have a look at our nature. What's going on with our rivers, our waterways? You know, how is the plant life doing there? How is the flora and fauna? You know, what can we do to improve? What can we do to preserve? Because uh, we have a beautiful, diverse region. When you think about the Geelong municipality, all the way from the Yuyangs, all the way down to the river's mouth, um, down at Barland Heads, to the wetlands, you know, to, to Lake, Lake Connawari, uh, we've, we've got such important areas. We've got grasslands, rolling hills, you know, the Barn River. All this is very important. And so to have a, a forum where we can talk about the diversity in our region and how we can protect it going forwards, it's just fantastic to get everybody involved. So I highly encourage everybody to check out that on the Geelong website. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Always good to catch up. And I'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. Thank you, Mitchell. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, the Deputy Mayor of the City of Greater Geelong there, Councillor Trent Sullivan. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.